Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to First Mover. I'm your host, Dario Ofstein. I'm the director of analytics for Player Profiler. And this is, of course, the show where we take the earliest look at every DFS slate. We're talking week nine. Week eight's not even over. We're already thinking about week nine. And today's show is brought to you by Prediction Strike. More about them later. Let's get started. We're talking week nine. This is, as I said earlier, as the stream was just getting started, this is kind of a bye week hell week. There's six teams on by, only 10 games on the main slate. But before we get into that, I like to always talk about just some hits and misses from the week before. And last week, yesterday's games, just truly, truly beautiful seeing so many games blow up. And that what that led to is plenty of hits from last week's first mover show. The headliner, of course, was Tua Tagovailoa stacking him. We got two touchdowns for Jalen Waddle, another 160, 180-yard game for Tyreek Hill. Tony Pollard, of course, get, getting his second career start and once again delivering with 30-plus points, 150 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. We also mentioned Brandon Ayuk on last week's show. He caught the touchdown from Christian McCaffrey on the trick play, had a nice 20-point day himself. Jacoby Myers had a nice 20-point day as well. And we touched on DJ Moore, who, of course, scored, I think it was somewhere around 30 fantasy points, all said and done, with that 62-yard touchdown coming in on a, one of the last plays of regulation. That was a truly insane game. My take on the whole you know, helmet situation is we shouldn't be blaming DJ Moore for this because the kicker had a chance to make a 33 yard field goal, the same distance that the extra point would have been in overtime. He had a 33 yard field goal attempt and he missed it. And I don't think enough people have mentioned that aspect of the story. And clearly the kicker just failed to do his job yesterday. Any professional kicker should be making a 48 or a 33 yard kick to win your team, the game in a dome, and I don't think people should be talking about blaming DJ Moore as much as that has been the narrative so far. Anyway, apologize for the tangent. <laughs> a couple of misses from last week. George Pickens, goose egg. Uh, we talked a lot about George Pickens as the run back for some Eagle stacks. And unfortunately, George Pickens just didn't do anything on three targets from Kenny Pickett. The Steelers offense looks very dysfunctional. And then another miss on my end would be Raheem Mostert. I think we liked the value for good reasons. Running backs against the Lions have been just absolutely crushing so far this season. But he came up a couple yards short of his rushing prop, actually, which was um, the prop of the week for us here at the Underworld. Sadly, he came up just short of that. The Dolphins were kind of in an unexpected game script. The Lions went up early on them, so we got to see 
the Dolphins aired out, which was, of course, very exciting for Tua, very exciting for Tyreek Hill, very exciting for Jalen Waddle. All of those stacks came through. But Raheem Mostert, I think he got banged up on the first drive and then just didn't quite get going on the ground because of the way that game played out, unfortunately. So that's that's last week. We're we're happy with all the hits we got. Always going to be some misses to think about and reflect on, but happy with the process behind most of those picks. And then let's get right into this week. Like I said, only 10 games on the main slate. We've got the Chargers playing at the Falcons. Chargers are three-point road favorites there with an over-under of 49.5, which is the highest on the slate, uh, at least on Monday's odds, of course. The Dolphins are playing at the Bears, another road favorite there. Dolphins, four-and-a-half-point favorites. The Bears um, coming in with a 44-and-a-half game total on the over-under there. The Bears' offense has looked a little better lately, but they did get blown out by the Cowboys yesterday, of course. The Panthers are playing at the Bengals. The Bengals are eight and a half point favorites there, and the over-under is 44. The Packers play at the Lions, second highest total on the slate of 49, and the Packers are three-point favorites on the road. The Colts, Sam Ellinger will be making his second career start in New England. Patriots are favored by five and a half, and that is the lowest total on the slate with an over-under of 39 and a half. The Bills are playing at the New York Jets. The Bills are 13-point favorites there, and the over-under is 47.5. It's looking like a good week to dial up some more Josh Allen stacks. The Vikings are playing at the Commanders with an over-under of 43.5, and and the Vikings are only 3.5-point road favorites. They're, of course, the second-best record in the NFC right now behind the Eagles. The Raiders are playing at the Jaguars. Raiders are favored by one, and the over-under there is 46 Jaguars, of course, coming off that game in London, so they'll probably be, you know, pretty tired. And the Raiders coming off getting shut out by the Saints. So very, very strange situation that both those teams are in right now. The Seahawks play at the Cardinals. 49 is the over-under, and the Cardinals are two-point favorites at home. These teams faced each other really recently in Week 6. Kind of led to be a dud in that game, but we'll we'll see what happens this time around and then the rams play at the buccaneers the bucks are three point favorites over under there's 42 and a half interestingly only two of these 10 games are in the afternoon slate so we're gonna have eight 10 a.m games and only two 1 p.m games which will be kind of strange for an nfl sunday but that's just the hand we're dealt for week nine some games that stand out early on for dfs like i mentioned the bills and the jets i think this is going to be any, any game that the Bills are on the main slate, you want to be stacking Josh Allen, and they're heavily favored, but we've seen that they're a team that just loves to continue throwing the ball when they're ahead. So that's the best thing for fantasy, of course. Seahawks-Cardinals, as I said, has a high game total, but these teams did play, I think the final score was 19-9 to in Week 6. That would be a total of, I think, seven field goals between the two teams. So just an ugly game between the two of them a couple weeks ago. I think the Seahawks defense has shown a lot of improvement. So this might be one where we see the total come down over the course of the week. The Chargers at the Falcons, of course, the highest total on the slate. The Chargers coming off a bye and the Falcons coming off that crazy overtime win. Austin Eckler has been getting double digit receptions each of the last two games. I think that's going to be a very interesting spot. It'll be the Chargers first full game without Mike Williams this season, of course. And then the Packers at the Lions. 
surprised me with the game total of 49 because we've seen the Packers playing really slow this season, but the Lions, we know they're like the um, the ultimate catalyst for any football game. Their offense is good. Their defense is bad. They just get into shootouts, and we saw that yesterday with the Dolphins. I think that game hit the over in like the third quarter, so not too shocked, but I guess we'll see if the Packers can finally get right in this spot against the Lions. And that actually leads us really nicely into talking about the slate of quarterbacks on DraftKings because there's uh, something, yeah, Aaron, let's just say Aaron Rodgers against the Lions is only 5,900 on DraftKings. So last time Aaron Rodgers didn't throw multiple touchdowns against the Lions was, I believe, 2018. So potentially an interesting spot for Rodgers. And now let's just get into talking about the rest of the quarterbacks on DraftKings. We've got Josh Allen leading the way at 8,500. Pretty much a big tier gap between him and Kyler Murray at 7,400. Justin Herbert is 7,200. Tua is 6,700. And then Joe Burrow is 6,600. We have yet to see his first game without Jamar Chase tonight. So kind of interested to see what their offense will look like. But they'll be playing the Panthers. So that's a pretty nice spot for any quarterback. Some other values, as I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers against the Lions, who he he has their number pretty pretty dominant against that division rival, only 5,900. Geno Smith is 5,800 against the Cardinals. He didn't have any touchdowns when these teams last faced off, but like I said, the Seahawks kicked a ton of field goals in that game, and I wouldn't be surprised if Geno finds the end zone a couple times in this one. Jared Goff is only 5,500 on the other side of that Aaron Rodgers game. If the Packers do get going and we see another accelerated shootout from the lines, Jared Goff is certainly always somewhat in play. Justin Fields is only 5,300. He's been finally getting used in a proper way as a rushing quarterback, which we have seen the Bears just seemingly not willing to do for most of the season, but they're finally unleashing him. So some very encouraging fantasy performances of late from Justin Fields. He's only 5,300. And then PJ Walker is only 5,200 coming off of just, he made some crazy throws in yesterday's game. He's looked so much better. It's funny because, you know, his first start against the Rams, he barely threw the ball down the field and it looks like the offense and the coaches are starting to trust him more. And he made some sick throws. They already announced he'll be the starter again this week in um, Cincinnati. So kind of an interesting spot there with PJ Walker being probably the cheapest quarterback you would want to play in DFS at 5,200 over to running back on DraftKings. This slate is very thin at the top compared to what we usually see. We have no Christian McCaffrey this week on the main slate, no Derek Henry, no Nick Chubb, no Alvin Kamara, just a few of the big names that are missing from the top tier. Austin Eckler is leading the way at 8,800. He's been, of course, the RB1 in Fantasyland so far this season. And then Dalvin Cook at 7,800. Jonathan Taylor at 7,700. Aaron Jones at 7,400. Josh Jacobs at 7,300. And Leonard Fournette is kind of a big gap down at 6,600. But he's still, you know, an elite workload back. And Joe Mixon at 6,500. And then some values. I think there's a really good sweet spot at running back on DraftKings. We got DeAndre Swift. Sorry, this sweet spot in the low 6,000s. I think there's a lot of guys getting good workloads, very explosive players. 
and starts with DeAndre Swift at 6,400. Travis Etienne is only 6,300. Ramondre Stevenson is 6,200. Kenneth Walker, 6,200. And Raheem Mostert, 6,100. These are all guys who can absolutely score a touchdown from anywhere on the field. And they're in very good roles right now. I think Swift is the only one who you would like be slightly nervous about the timeshare and the goal line vultures we've seen from Jamal Williams. But between ETN, Ramondre, Walker, and Mostert, Mostert is in another really good matchup against the Bears. We just saw them get absolutely gashed by Tony Pollard. So I will not, I guess I haven't learned my lesson and I will once again be touting Raheem Mostert in DFS this week. Just a little further down is um, Devin Singletary at 5,700, I think is interesting. Khalil Herbert at 5,800 is someone I think we just have to mention at this point because he's been so good on limited touches and last week was the first game we've seen him and David Montgomery both healthy where he finished the game with more carries than Montgomery he had something like 99 rushing yards on 16 carries Khalil Herbert has just been one of the best running backs in football in so many metrics this season and it looks like the Bears are maybe starting to recognize that Michael Carter is only 5,500 and he came out well in expected fantasy points in yesterday's game. It'll be interesting to see how much more involved James Robinson will be next week. But in a game where you have the Jets as 13-point underdogs, I do think that Michael Carter is likely to catch a good number of passes from whoever is playing quarterback for the Jets. Zach Wilson did not look like an NFL quarterback yesterday. And then just down to... The bargain bin running backs of the week. I think James Cook at 5,100 is very interesting because in that same game, the Bills heavily favored. We've seen that when they run away with games, they get the other running backs more involved. And coming out of their bye week, James Cook was the clear number two. All of that flirtation with Zach Moss that we saw in you know the early couple weeks seems to have dissipated and they're trusting James Cook as the number two back. He had a very nice explosive play on a reception. So I think that James Cook at 5,100 is appealing. And then you have Tyler Algier at 5,400 and Caleb Huntley at 4,900. Once again, I talked about the Atlanta backfield duo last week. They were in a good spot against the Panthers and they both produced. Algier had a touchdown through the air. Caleb Huntley had 90 plus rushing yards, but didn't find the end zone. And this week they're facing the Chargers, who we know to be an absolutely horrible run defense. It'll be interesting to see these like two very different identities facing off. You have the run heavy Falcons and the team that has almost no running game whatsoever in the Chargers and who lets other teams run on them. So potentially a big game for Algier and or Huntley once again this week. And then Rashad White at 4,700. I mentioned that. You know, Leonard Fournette is a relatively cheap bell cow, but he's also becoming less and less of a bell cow every week as Rashad White is seemingly growing in his role. And he's only 4,700 on DraftKings this week. So I think some very interesting cheap dart throws at running back here on DraftKings. And over at wide receiver, we have a pretty good slate at wide receiver. What we make up, we're making up for the the lack of depth at running back, but you got Cooper Cup at 8,900, Justin Jefferson at 8,600, Tyreek Hill at 8,500, Stefan Diggs at 8,400, Devontae Adams at 8,100, DeAndre Hopkins at 7,900, 
and Jalen Waddle at 7,400. Just right behind Waddle, you have T. Higgins at 7,300, who, like I said, with Burrow, we haven't seen what this Bengals offense is going to look like minus Jamar Chase. So T. Higgins very much has the potential to be an elite alpha at 7,300. And this kind of carries into a strong tier two that I'm seeing with the wide receivers this week. We have all these studs on the slate at the top. So that kind of creates so many options to choose from in this tier two of value. You have Gabe Davis at 6,900, who I think in any week where we're talking about stacking Josh Allen and the Bills are a big favorite. Gabe Davis is someone that I'm very curious and interested to play. Amon Ross St. Brown is only 6,600. Keenan Allen is 6,500. Chris Godwin is all the way down at 6,200, which is kind of crazy to me given that he's seen three games in a row of double digit targets, 11, 13, and 12. He's fully back and he's only 6,200 on DraftKings. DK Metcalf is 6,400 and Tyler Lockett is 6,100. I think I speak for all of us when I say that I was shocked that Metcalf was able to play yesterday but he was actually able to play well. And he and Lockett both once again produced. They each caught a touchdown from Geno Smith. So I think they're both in play once again this week. A little bit further down into the next tier of values, you have Terry McLaurin at 5,900, DJ Moore at 5,800. DJ Moore finally hitting yesterday was so, so sweet. And you have Jacoby Myers at 5,400 and Romeo Doms at 5,300. Romeo Doms' touchdown catch yesterday was insane that was a great catch he made and he's still very involved in the offense we'll see whether alan lazard is able to bounce back and play this week i think he missed practiced all three days last week so don't be surprised if he is out again and if that turns out to be the case romeo doms at 5300 it's a very good play now kind of getting down into the you know cheap dart throw wide receivers you have drake london at 4900 talked about that Falcons Chargers game being an interesting spot. And I think that Drake London, we saw it with Garrett Wilson yesterday, how when you have a, an elite rookie who has underperformed for a few weeks, that doesn't mean they are unable to have a big game any given week. So I think Drake London, we should be patient and we should be taking advantage of the fact that his DFS salary is once again dropping. We saw Garrett Wilson, like I said, bounce back yesterday. He's 4,800. Darnell Mooney is somehow 4,700. He's the unquestioned alpha in that Bears passing game. Of course, he, you know, is restricted to the small size of that pie, but we know that he's capable of leading that team in targets week in and week out. So I think that in a game where they might be chasing the Dolphins, Darnell Mooney comes up just, it's just such a value, 4,700 for a guy who's the number one receiver on his offense. And then down in the real, real bargain bin, you've got Terrace Marshall at 3,900. He's been increasingly involved since the Panthers traded away Robbie Anderson. Demir Bird is 3,500. He's got two games back-to-back with long touchdowns. But the thing that we're really keying in on here is he had six targets yesterday. In the two weeks ago, he had one target, turned it into a 75-yard touchdown. Last week, he had six targets, still turned one of those into a long touchdown. So Demir Bird, kind of a a dart throw in play there. Tyquan Thornton is 3,300. His price dropped pretty significantly, but we just saw that the Patriots got ahead in the game and they got run heavy. But I think that 
Tyquan Thornton and his like four three wheels aren't going anywhere. He could definitely have a big game any given week. And then Nikhil Harry, this is a name that I didn't think I'd ever be mentioning in 2022, but he apparently earned the number two receiver role across from Darnell Mooney towards the end of the second half yesterday. I think that he outplayed Equidemius St. Brown. He caught a touchdown. So it'll be interesting to see whether he gets more involved. I think at 3,200, if you're looking for just some crazy ways to save salary, you could do worse than Nikhil Harry as your punt play wide receiver. And then over to tight end, we have a slate with no Travis Kelsey, no Mark Andrews, and also no George Kittle. So the top tight end in terms of salary is Zach Ertz at 5,100, and then followed by TJ Hawkinson at 5,000, Darren Waller at 4,900, Gerald Everett at 4,800, Kyle Pitts at 4,500. So the, you know, the high price tight ends are also what we would normally consider, you know, the, the mid tier value of tight end. So it's going to be an interesting slate in that sense. Some of the values that I like further down, you've got Robert Tunyon at 3,800. He had a would be touchdown called back on offensive pass interference. That was kind of questionable. So he would have had an otherwise a much better game yesterday without that penalty. Tyler Higby, 3,700. Hayden Hurst is 3,600. Tyler Conklin is only 3,200. I have no idea how he stayed this cheap coming off of a 25.2 touchdown game. So I'm sure he will be quite chalky. And then Noah Fant is only 2,900. He had seven targets the last time the Seahawks faced off against the Cardinals. We know that tight ends against the Cardinals tend to succeed. So Noah Fant, I think, is very much in play. At defense on DraftKings, I think some of the interesting plays further down are the Buccaneers are only 3,000 and they're facing the Rams. This kind of blew my mind when I saw it because the Rams have been absolutely terrible in terms of their offensive line, their ability to block anything or anyone. And the Buccaneers have a pretty solid defense. They've been a little bit hampered by injuries. They lost Shaquille, Shaq Barrett to, I believe, a torn Achilles. So one of their best pass rushers will be out for the season. But I think that anytime you can get a front seven like the Buccaneers against the Rams offensive line, they're only 3,000 on DraftKings. I think that's going to be an interesting play for sure. And then the Seahawks are 3,500 against the Cardinals. Last time these teams played each other, the Seahawks had six sacks. So the Cardinals are going to have to make some adjustments. But in this game, the Cardinals are two-point favorites. I think the Seahawks going on the road, have a good chance to give the Cardinals trouble once again. We know that Cliff Kingsbury sometimes struggles to make his offense a little more dynamic or just like, you know, different for each opponent. So they might struggle again. And I think the Seahawks defense at 3,500, pretty interesting. And then I'll just wrap DraftKings up quickly here with a sample lineup that I built. This one is kind of built around going cheap at other positions to be able to afford Austin Eckler, as well as some elite wide receivers. So I went with a Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney. It's kind of like the cheap stack here. I think with Justin Fields, he's a guy that you can be okay with single stacking because he's so much of a threat with his legs and he can get there on his own without necessarily bringing his patch catchers, pass catchers with him. And then I brought that back with Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert. 
couple of skinny correlations between Gabe Davis and Tyler Conklin, and then Austin Eckler with Drake London. And then, of course, the Seahawks defense, who I was just hyping up there, only 2,500 this week. I think I misspoke when I said 3,500 earlier. Um, so that lineup top to bottom comes out to Justin Fields, 5,300, Austin Eckler, 8,800, Raheem Mostert, 6,100, Gabe Davis, 6,900, Jalen Waddle, 7,400, Darnell Mooney, 4,700, Tyler Conklin, 3,200, Drake London, 4,900, Seahawks defense, 2,500. I think this is a very strongly correlated lineup. And I think that that Dolphins Bears game has a chance to be a sneaky high scoring affair. So I like, I like the, the correlations there. I think Gabe Davis, of course, very high ceiling. And before we go over to talking about FanDuel, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. And that is Prediction Strike. They are a player stock market which is currently available for NFL, NBA, MLB, and MMA athletes. Basically, the way it works is they have their projections for you know games, fantasy projections, and then when players either exceed or underperform against those projections, you see prices go up and down. So this is a very good game to just follow along with, and you can make money by simply buying in the players that you believe in and you can, you know, watch their performances affect your portfolio. I think it's a very cool proposition they've got going and they're growing every, you know, every every opportunity. I think they're, I'm sure they're bringing new sports along soon. If you use the promo code Underworld, you can get one free player share when you sign up. So any player you want, if that's, you know, LeBron James or Nikhil Harry, you get a free player share when you sign up with promo code Underworld. And of course, I can't mention Prediction Strike without talking about our social media director, Aaron Stewart, who is just completely crushing it in the Prediction Strike streets. He does a weekly show in the Player Profiler Discord. The link to join the Discord is, of course, in our description here. And Aaron's show in the Discord on a weekly basis is such an easy way to become a profitable player on Prediction Strike. I think I have yet to see a value that he touts that does not come through. I I think, you know, he's simply crushing it. That's Thursdays in our Discord. He'll tell you who to buy, when to sell, when to hold, and just completely crushing the prediction strike game. So once again, that's promo code Underworld. One free player share when you sign up. If you guys, you know, haven't heard of prediction strike, head on over there. Very cool product they've got and very awesome job that Aaron is doing promoting it and with just great plays in our discord every week now I'll head over to talking about FanDuel of course the quarterbacks um like I like I always say I think paying up at quarterback is more worthwhile on FanDuel so we've got at the top Josh Allen 9300 Joe Burrow 8500 Kyler Murray 8200 and Tua 8000 Kirk Cousins 7900 Justin Herbert is only 7,800 against the Falcons. And then kind of getting into the values. This this separation here is, I think, way too small. But Geno Smith is 7,500, only $300 cheaper than Justin Herbert. Justin Fields is 7,400. Marcus Mariota, 7,100. Aaron Rodgers, 7,000. Like we said, he completely owns the Lions. And um, PJ Walker is 6,500. So love that. Got a, got a lot of good values at quarterback this week. Over to running back. 
Austin Eckler is also at the top here. He's 9,400. Josh Jacobs, 8,800. Dalvin Cook is 8,500. Kenneth Walker is 8,300. Joe Mixon is 8,100. And I think FanDuel is interesting because you see a lot of guys who are values over on DraftKings are, aren't quite as affordable on FanDuel. Like I said, Kenneth Walker's up here at 8,300. Ramondre Stevenson is 8,000. Travis Etienne is 7,600. DeAndre Swift is 7,500. And then with these guys being pushed up, you get, you know, names that are usually harder to afford, like Aaron Jones, also at 7,800 in the mix here. Leonard Fournette, all the way down at 7,100. Like I said, some concerns about his workload with Rashad White, but you have the Bucks favored against the Rams team that looked very lost yesterday. So Lenny, 7,100 is a very interesting value there. Raheem Mostert is all the way down at 6,500 still. Jonathan Taylor is only a little bit more expensive. He's 6,800. So Jonathan Taylor, even though I don't know if I would feel the most comfortable playing him against the Patriots defense and with the sort of lingering ankle injury, but it's pretty crazy to see Jonathan Taylor all the way down at 6,800, of course. The Atlanta backfield, who I mentioned before, is facing the you know porous Chargers run defense. Algier is 6,400 and Huntley is 6,000. The Bills rushing attack, which I think is also in a favorable spot this week. You've got Singletary, 6,000 and Dalvin Cook, 50, or sorry, James Cook, <laughs> mixed up the brothers there. James Cook, 5,500. Michael Carter is 6,000. As I mentioned, I think he is in a good spot to catch some passes. Once the Jets fall behind inevitably to the Bills, he's only 6,000. And then Rashad White is only 5,300. So very interesting spot for him as well. Overall, I think that it's just a little bit tougher to find the diamonds in the rough on FanDuel, but that means that we you know, pay up elsewhere and get, get those elite running backs here too. Over at wide receiver, once again, Cooper Cup leading the way, 9,000, but Justin Jefferson is also 9,000. Stephon Diggs, 8,900. Tyreek Hill, 8,700. DeAndre Hopkins, 8,600. Jalen Waddell is 8,200. Devontae Adams is 8,100. And then T. Higgins is 8,000. As I mentioned before, there's such a strong tier two of wide receivers on this slate. You've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at 7,600 and 7,400 respectively. Keenan Allen, 7,500. Terry McLaurin, 7,200. Amon Ross St. Brown, 7,100. DJ Moore, 7,000. Tyler Boyd is 6,900. Jacoby Myers is 6,800. Chris Godwin is 6,700. He's going to be so chalky again this week. I mean, a guy that, like I said, is getting so many targets and he's priced below he's priced below Allen robinson for crying out loud gabe davis is only 6600 i don't see that very often where a player is straight up cheaper on fanduel than he is on DraftKings. so gabe davis's ownership on fanduel i'm sure will come in very high as well michael pittman is all the way down at 6400 there is definitely concern with sam allinger back there at quarterback for him but he still saw nine targets yesterday. I think he's very much the alpha in that Colts offense and 6,400, very, very cheap play. Kind of similar terms apply to Christian Kirk, who is 6,300. He's been having a couple games with lower target shares, but he had seven targets yesterday, 10 targets the week before. He just hasn't been delivering with fantasy points, but we know that targets tend to be predictive of future fantasy points. So Still kind of in on Christian Kirk, especially at that price. 
Darnell Mooney, I mentioned earlier, he's only 6,100. Romeo Dobbs, also 6,100. Very good price for him, I think. And then Garrett Wilson is 5,800. These dart throw wide receivers that I talked about on DraftKings are, you know, also pretty cheap here on FanDuel. Drake London, 5,600. Tyquan Thornton, 5,600. And Nikhil Harry, all the way down at 5,100. I think he's a very sneaky play this week. Might, you know, sprinkle him in if you're really looking to save salary somewhere. And then over to tight end, Zach Ertz, once again, the most expensive. He's 6,600. Kyle Pitts bounces up to second here among the tight ends. He's 6,300. TJ Hawkinson, 6,200. Tyler Higby is 6,100. Darren Waller is 6,000. And Gerald Everett is 5,800. A little bit cheaper. You see Hayden Hurst at 5,300. I like Hurst a lot. He's been, like I said, commanding a lot of targets in that Bengals offense. And of course, he stands to benefit from the Jamar Chase injury. I think that that passing tree, which had Chase as the alpha, T Higgins as a very strong, you know, 1B, and then Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst soaking up the rest of the targets. It loses Chase, and that just is going to be good for Hurst and Boyd and Higgins, I think. A couple other values down here. Tyler Conklin, 5,200, coming off that huge game. Evan Ingram, 5,200, also had a pretty nice day in London for himself. Had six targets, 55 receiving yards, and caught a touchdown. Dawson Knox is 5,100, and then Noah Fant is all the way down at 4,800. Like I said, he saw a good amount of targets last time the Seahawks played the Cardinals, so we like that spot for him. And then over at defense, um, all the heavy hitters at the top, once again, the Bills at 5,000, the Patriots at 4,900 against Ellinger. The Buccaneers are actually very expensive here on FanDuel. They're 4,700. The Vikings are 4,500, and the Bengals are 4,400. I think some slightly better values further down would be once again the Seahawks at 4,100 and then the Dolphins at 3,600 I think are actually kind of interesting. I talked about the case for the Bears offense of course but I do think there's a decent case against the Bears offense. They have been just kind of slow and the Dolphins defense for a team that is favored and they're only 3,600. I think that's a good spot overall and that leads us right into the sample lineup that I built on FanDuel because we've got the Dolphins defense penciled in here to go along with, of course, a Josh Allen double stack. I couldn't resist the values on Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox to pair with Josh Allen here. Brought that back with Garrett Wilson. And then love this DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins skinny stack that we've got in here. And then in the running back slots, we've got Travis Etienne and Caleb Huntley. So to give you that lineup from top to bottom, it's Josh Allen at 9,300, Caleb Huntley at 6,000, Travis Etienne at 7,600, Gabe Davis at 6,600, Garrett Wilson at 5,800, DeAndre Hopkins at 8,600, Dawson Knox at 5,100, DK Metcalf at 7,400, and the Dolphins defense at 3,600. I think once again, a nicely correlated lineup. Love the upside of Hopkins with Metcalf in that skinny stack from the Cardinals and Seahawks game. And that will just about do it for week nine first mover. Big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Big thank you to Prediction Strike for sponsoring today's episode. Once again, that is promo code Underworld for a free player share over on their site. And, you know, best of luck to everyone in week nine DFS. Very 
glad we had such an exciting slate on week eight. And I'll see you all back here for next week. Peace out.